Please listen to the word of the New Testament found in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with those who in every place call on the name of Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless, on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by him. You were called into the fellowship of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So here you are, traveling the world. You come upon this very industrial city. It's full of shipping. And other, it's a hub actually of, of great commerce, of economic wealth. And you see this building up on a hill and you wonder, oh, what's that? So you go and investigate. And here it is, this temple to some god you've never even heard of, may never want to hear of. Things are going on in this building that you could never even imagine would take place in this house of worship. So you leave puzzled, wondering. And as you're roaming the streets of the city, you come across this little tiny building. And it is a church. And they invite you in. They invite you in with a loving heart and say, come here, worship with us. Praise God. These people are choosing to worship God, the only God. Then they receive a letter from the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine someone busting into the church and you're standing there and they have a letter to read from Paul. It is a word of encouragement. We could be that church today. It doesn't have to be the church in Corinth. We are that church. That letter is to us. And as we focus on this letter, as we go through these nine verses, we'll find out that Christianity 
no matter what century you were living in or currently living in, is the best kind of life that you could possibly ever want. It is the best life there is. Because of who you are, because of what you have, and because of what will happen. Paul starts the letter by reminding the people that he is the apostle of Christ Jesus. And he is the apostle because of the will of God. And because he is God's apostle, he is God's messenger. And what he writes is not just simply his own ideas. They are the words given to him by God. Listen to what verse 2 said. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those in every place called on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Have you ever really thought about that word sanctified? You are sanctified. It means that you are set apart as holy. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, now that sounds a little strange, Beth. Why would Paul call these people holy? Why is Paul saying this bunch of people are holy? Why are you called holy? Verse 8 described for us that this same group was blameless. And you're thinking, well now, how can that be? How can you be both holy and blameless? Raise your hand if you didn't make any mistake in this past week. <laughs> if you were sitting here over the last seven days and you never said a bad word, you didn't do anything bad, you didn't even think a bad thought, you weren't even selfish for just a minute, for just a second. Can any of us sitting here today honestly say that we are holy and blameless? Hmm. Well, we all just failed. Because if we can't, then we are saying that the Word of God must be wrong. God says in this passage that these very Corinthian Christians, and he's also talking about us sitting here today, are holy and blameless. God knows us very well, doesn't he? How does he know that? But he just knows that about us because he's created us and he doesn't make a mistake. He hears every <coughs> word that we say. 
And that's even a scary thought that he even knows what we think. He knows you that well. And he knows that we are not holy. We are just the opposite. He knows it. He knows that we probably deserve to be punished. To be actually cast out of his presence. How can we stand in his presence when we are so sinful? But he still calls us holy because he calls us holy because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. He has made us holy. Jesus, the Son of God, who came into this world. And while he was here, he came as a human and took on every one of our sins. He took on all those words that we shouldn't say, all those thoughts that we shouldn't have, all the selfishness that we act upon every day. Jesus took on all those, put them on himself, and then submitted to the will of God. Submitted to God the Father to be punished, to suffer for us, for our sins. That's why Jesus died on the cross. You hear that all the time, but do you remember it? He died to be the Lamb of God, to take away the sin of the world, to make each one of us holy. Because of what Christ Jesus has done for us, what Christ suffered for us, God can look at each one of us and say, you, my child, are holy. Not because of how great you are, but because Jesus, my son, has taken away all your sins. That's why Christianity is the best life there is, the greatest life there is. It is through Jesus Christ God forgives us, calls us holy, and has taken away our sins. You know, I have a white shirt. Well, I have several of them, actually, because when spring gets here and the weather gets warmer and I see a white T-shirt or a white shirt that I like really and truly, I end up buying about two or three of them because I'm not going to make it through a whole season. By the 4th of July, I either have mustard or ketchup that has on that white shirt, and if you have ever tried to get it out of a t-shirt, you know you cannot wash it away. So I just, I, I, I just readily admit I've ruined that shirt, and I go to the closet, and I just get the next one in line and said, maybe you can make it to August. But I doubt it. Because I've ruined that shirt. I can't wash that stain out of it. But that's not the way it is with our life. 
Our life is not ruined. Our life is not stained. Because Jesus washes away that stain for us. He did that for us. Just in the next passage is one of the most cherished writings by Paul. I read just that one line a lot on Sundays before I start a sermon. When he wrote, I always thank God for you because his grace given you in Christ Jesus for in him, enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge. That too is why being a Christian is the best life there is. You sitting here today are enriched in every way possible. Paul says you do not lack any spiritual gift. He said that small group of Christians in Corinth had it all. Had it all according to God. And they are taught the word of God. As they listened and they grew in their faith, they were lacking nothing. You know, sometimes as a smaller church, we tend to want to take on the feeling of having a little bit of low self-esteem. We tend to focus on what we don't have. We don't have this, we don't have this, or we don't have that neon sign on the road. We don't have this huge fellowship hall. We don't have a huge sanctuary. Oh why, oh why, we get the pity party going, don't we? Can't we have a big church? Can't we have everything that that big church down the road has? We think we have nothing. But the Word of God says you do not lack for anything. You do not lack in any spiritual gift. We may not have all the bells and whistles that the really large mega churches have. But we have the things that count. We have the things here at Burge Chapel that are important because this congregation does not lack any spiritual gift. As a member of Burge Chapel, you are enriched in every way. Look at the people around you. Take a look. They seem, when you look at them, to be just regular, ordinary people. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God's words tells us that you are anything but ordinary. Spiritually, you are one of the richest people I know. You lack nothing. God has given you everything you need to grow and mature in your faith. I discussed this with Sharon and Greg when we were writing our um, grant proposal application. I said, there's not a church that does more with fewer than Bird's Chapel. 
You lack for nothing. You have it all. But isn't that what church is all about? The bells and whistles, really, the extra things are pretty nice. But when it gets right down to it, why are you here this morning? Why are you here? Are you seeking the bells and whistles? Or is it because you want to learn more about your God? The God who made you. The God who saved you by sending his son. Aren't you here because you want to grow your relationship with God? You want to grow closer to him. You want to learn how to serve him better in your daily life. Why are you here? I believe, yes, Birch Chapel may be small, but it is so spiritually enriched. Amen. You do not lack for any spiritual gift. I look out here and I see it every Sunday. I see it through every mission work that you do. I see it when I have engaged with you in Bible study. You do not lack for anything. And that is why being a Christian is the best kind of life there is. <coughs> because you have everything. Paul goes on to say to us that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, will be revealed. And what he's talking about is judgment day. He says he's going to keep us strong to the end so that we're not going to be blameless in the eyes of God. He said that God's going to strengthen you and he will keep your faith strong until judgment day. So how can you be sure of that? God who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ is faithful. It's one thing we know for sure. God always keeps and makes good on his promises. He is faithful and that is why being a Christian is the greatest life. You know what's going to happen in your future. You know, there's no other area of your life, I don't care who you are, that you can predict the future. We plan for our future. We may make investments, but nobody really can predict how that's going to go. You plan on your health, but nobody knows how that's going to go. You plan on relationships, but you can't be 100% certain about anything in your life but one thing. It is impossible to predict the future 
what will happen to you unless you are a Christian. If you are a Christian, that is the 100% what you can count on. You know what's going to happen to your soul. When you die, or when Jesus returns and you stand before God, God's going to be able to look into your heart. He's going to see all of your sins. And he's going to know that they have been washed away by the Lamb of God. He will see that you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And he will call you blameless. And he will welcome you home. There is no doubt with 100% certainty you know what will happen to your soul. That's why being a Christian is the best life there is. There is certainty about our future. Can you imagine the people in Corinth, that church, hearing those words from Paul on that day? In a city where they were living back then that was full of chaos, corruption, and evilness. It's the same what we're living in today. Think about it. It's not different from the first century than it is today. But Paul reminds them and he reminds us that being a Christian is the very best life you can have. As we close and we get ready to sing our last song, it is because the Lord loves us that we live the best life we can live as a Christian. So think on those words. Love your Lord. Let him rejoice over what you have to say. Amen and amen. Thank you.